because there has been an emergency. To infinity and beyond. I thought my jokes were bad. The force will be with you. Always. We're just like Kevin Bacon. Welcome back to the Cinemania World Podcast, everyone. My name is Dwayne, and today we finally have our top 10, uh, top 10 favorite movies of 2020 list here today. For this show, I am joined by some special guests. First things first, from Cinemania Live, we have Hannah. Hannah, hello. Hi. And we have, from the Box Office Beatdown show, we have Larry. Larry, hello. Hello. A lot of people are listening to that Box Office show. We probably want to wanted to hear about Wonder Woman, so that's always fun. Ooh, yay. Uh, nice to hear from you. And we have special guest, Kobe Mack. Kobe, how are you? Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, and I'm back! On the Cinemania World Podcast. You're... Very nice to have you, as always, Colby. Okay, everyone, we are doing our top 10 favorite movies of 2020. On Tuesday, we did our top 10 worst. Uh, we got some feedback. Colby doesn't like our list for reasons. I not can't. Fucking all. <laughs> it was trash. No, it was not trash. It was amazing. I'm so sorry. That, that, that. That was the top ten worst y'all's y'all's list. That's the top ten worst. Listen, Amanda was throwing all. Listen, she was the one that was just hitting all the punches. I when she said onward, I said I gotta text Larry. He's oh gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I made it my header on Twitter out of spite. I said I gotta text Larry. This is. Cool. I said even if you were disappointed, <laughs> one of the worst of that's, the year. Oh she's lord, sad, man. That's why she's here. Um. All right, guys. So we'll get right into it. We can go. Uh, like on like on the uh, worst show, we did dishonorable mentions, so we can start off with that. Um, I on my on my letterbox, I have a list of twenty five movies that I loved, so that's what I'm basing my top ten off. But I'm not gonna say obviously all fifteen movies that I want as honorable mentions. I mean, I might. Why not? It's my show. Uh, but like, uh, <laughs> if, y'all, if y'all want to give some honorable mentions, I will go. Uh, I don't know, Larry. Did you have any honorable mentions? I, I assumed you did. Uh, I mean, yeah, I have honorable mentions. Uh, okay, Relic yeah. was... Oh, that's another one I missed. Go ahead. <laughs> Relic was a really intense but uh, introspective horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vast of Night was a shocker. I barely watched that last night, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the Invisible Man kicked off the year really of strong. blockbusters with a great run. Love and Monsters was one of the most overlooked, but one of the most fun films of the entire year. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Promising Young Woman would have made the list if I had enjoyed that third act a little bit more. Yeah, I'm right there with you as far as Promising goes. Let's go to Kobe. What about you? You got any honorable mentions? Yeah, man, I got plenty of honorable mentions. Um, what's, I must honorably mention that there's too many films that I did not get a chance to take in. Um, I jokingly said earlier on Twitter, said, I'm just going to make a top 20 of 2020 of films that I missed, <laughs> and I'd be able to fill that up very easily. It's been a uh, it's been a rough one. Um, but some stuff that's been sitting outside of my top 10, just to be able to shout out, is like some of the films that like won't get any love from anybody, like Uncorked on Netflix came out right around the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, really great, underrated, black cinema at its finest. Yo, shout out to all the boys Two P.S. I still love you. I mean, that what is his name? Jordan Fisher. Yes, that, like that's, that's his name. 
fucking he he he's he sculpted from like from from Greek clay this year. <laughs> I tell you, he is a, very pretty. <laughs> he is a handsome. I, I'm not. I'm strange and charming. Very charming. Like, mm-hmm. like I I consider myself charming, and he puts my charisma to shame. This guy, he can, sing, <laughs> he can dance. He's got pretty skin. Oh man, I liked him in that movie. Adam. That movie worked it. I liked him. He's in that. So good. No, Noah you know, people me. say that Noah is charming, but then like you watch all the boys too, and you're like. He doesn't even hold a candle to Jordan Fisher. It's really unfair. Like, like yeah. it, it really, really, that guy is perfect. The, the perfect man is inside that film. Um, <laughs> and then to some other people that may think of like a perfect man, yo, you got Ben Affleck in The Way Back. Um, oh, yeah, that was know, good. Like, yo, I, 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 I really appreciated what he brought to that performance. It was a lot of fun. Yo, shout out to the reggaeton trolls from Trolls World Tour. You know, uh, you're just rounding out my, t- you know, my, in that top 20, 25 area. Really, really fun movie, you know. Um, nobody knew what to make of it with its release and everything like that. But like, yo, you watch that movie, it is a good time. Um, all right. So let's go to Hannah now. You have anything in your in your honorable mentions? Uh yeah. Okay. So before I get into like the actual movie, since I couldn't like mention it in my list, I do just want to shout out Mendelssohn Schwartz, was which is actually oh, like my, my favorite God. thing of the year. I've watched it a million times. I have had the most fun rewatching it and just watching it for the first time. It's the best. Love it the most. Can't stop talking about it. Uh, we are who we are. Uh, the series on HBO, so good. The Guadagninos um, series. Me and Dwayne loved it. Uh, I want to rewatch it soon. Uh, and then the actual movies. Um, so Swallow, uh, Swallow a movie that kind of has like been faded into like the background a little bit because a lot of people were talking about it at first um yeah i love that movie so much uh bad education uh another movie that i feel like kind of like dwindled into the background especially since everyone was so excited about it because of thoroughbreds um cory finley um it's amazing hugh jackman his performance is chef's kiss um onward uh i i mean it's so cute i loved it so much and then the invisible man and the lodge uh two of the best horror movies of the year oh the lodge was good that's in my honorables too um all right oh and so- my bloods right outside of my top 10 it's what? literally my 11 <laughs> it's literally my 11 uh, i love the five bloods so much um all right so i did say i had t- i had 25 so i'm just gonna say the 15 that i had because i do want to talk make i do want to make sure that they're all get acknowledged so the trial of the chicago seven is Dead at 25. Uh, I liked it, but I, thought, I think it's overhyped. But I, I, I did like it. Uh, yes, God, yes. The Lodge, I really liked when I saw earlier this year. Uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. I saw that at Sundance. I really enjoyed that. Swallow, like what Hannah said, uh, I think it has some of the best visual uh, scenery that I've seen uh, this year. That was good. Tenant, it, Tenant is a, is a mixed bag, but I think the skeptical... The, uh, I mean, the spectacle of Tenet really pushed it into my list. Uh, the documentary on Hulu right now, um, totally under control. I really, really like that. And um, I'm listen, I don't know what's going on with St. Maud, but St. Maud's here. So uh, St. Maud, The Invisible Man, I think it was a really good he- year for most for horror. I think we, ha- we did have a lot of bad horror, but I think we also had a lot of really, really good horror. So St. Maud, Invisible Man, Kajillionaire, saw that at Sundance. I really enjoyed that. Man Grow from the Small Axe series. Promising Young Woman just etched, etched out out of my uh, top 10. Sorry. Uncle Frank, Host. And then Sylvie's Love. I watched that today and I really, really enjoyed it. But it didn't make the top 10. So I'm confident in what I have in my top 10. But yeah, I'm really excited to hear everyone else's uh, choices. So 
that without further ado, let's start with number 10. I will start with Larry. What do you have at number 10? So, after some reshuffling, coming in at number 10, I have Onward from Pixar. Their pre-pandemic beautiful film, You All Are Just Mean. Uh, (laughs) So true! (laughs) I thought Onward was a lot of fun. First off, I'm a big fantasy geek, and I may or may not be a little bit nicer to fantasy films than a lot of other people or other genres at large, just because I really enjoy them. And Onward delivered on all of the fantasy elements I wanted. It also delivered on everything I want from a good Pixar film. It had the fun, it had the adventure, but it also had the deeper heart and themes. And that third act, the the finale, is really touching. Plus, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt give great performances and have really wonderful chemistry. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer are also a lot of fun. So I had a great time with it. I actually saw it three times in the theater. Um, Just from random circumstance, it wasn't necessarily planned to see it that much, but I had fun. I thought it was a, a really good time. It was all right, but no, onward is great. <laughs> Christ, it was all right. All right, uh, let's go to Hannah. What about you? What's your number ten? All right, my number ten is Spree. Uh, I love this movie a lot more than everyone else does. I think it's so fun and it's so funny. Uh, it also has some cool commentary to it. Um, I didn't expect that going in, but yeah, uh, the themes are like. It, it kind of like takes you back at first because you're like oh wow this actually has something to say uh <laughs> but yeah other than that it's a really fun thriller and it's really funny joe Keery is like amazing in it um i just knew him from like strange things i hadn't seen him anything else but he like carries this movie like wholeheartedly uh and it's it's a really nice like um just what's the word i'm looking for um contained thriller uh spree yeah i missed that sundance you kept telling me to watch it i'll watch it eventually it's on hulu you'd like it i'm sure i would it's just just a lot this year there's a lot to watch all right uh number 10 colby what you got all right i just wanted to give a second because there's a ton of fireworks being shot off right now happy new year's eve to everybody Yo, this is really, really tough because, like, trying to condense my 10 with some questionable things of, like, 2019s and 2021s was definitely a challenge. But right there at my number 10 spot, and technically it was number 11, but I decided to make a little amendment, is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Um, It was the movie that was going to save theaters. And Mm -hmm. for some folks, you know, uh, they did not like that. Um, Obviously, the film was met with a lot of contention. But to be honest with you, Christopher Nolan, he just delivers just another impressively audacious, just cinematic spectacle. And that's really what all I was coming for. Like, in my opinion, at the time, it was the must-watch film of the year. It's unlike most movies that you've seen before, but like at the same time, sporting like a lot of the Nolanisms that we've come to know and love. Um, so you're either going to like respect it or be turned off by it. And mm. I'm a Nolan fan. You can hear it in my voice. Yeah. I absolutely respected it. Um, it's undeniable how much like the film just kind of believes in these machinations of being like this huge spectacle, this grandeur scope, and just being like really stunning and kind of challenging narrative. Um, I got it, you know, and I, and I chose to focus more on the plot as opposed to the characters. And for some people, nah, they don't want to give Nolan that leash. 
He's got it from your boy. Um, he's the ultimate auteur who can kind of do whatever he wants. Watching that in the theater after months being out of it and hashtag Kobe does Dobie and damn, the movie did it for me. When I mean that, bro, like the movie tried to fuck me. It was amazing feeling how the seats were just like completely going up into the crevices of every part of my body and shaking me. It was great. I was being inverted at the same time as I was watching the movie. Um, it was amazing. The performances were really, really good. I know for a fact that we can have a black James Bond because that's exactly what uh, what John David Washington be able to gave us. The score is great. The scope is cool. Um, it is a beautiful super spy action film, and I'm glad to have it as the number 10 on my list. All right. Tenet. I never thought I'd hear that. that okay, had sex with you, I guess. But um, <laughs> all right, so my number ten. Listen, I have been switching around my list all day. Uh, I told Larry that this movie was number six, but then I switched around some more. Uh, okay, so my number ten. I literally watched it a couple hours ago. I have Wolf Walkers. Uh, I think I feel it felt like I was watching a movie from like the nineties with how the animation looks, but I, I really enjoyed that because, you know, in the, in this day and age, as far as animation goes, we're so used to the Pixar's and we're so used to the, uh, even the way, you know, into the spider verse kind of looks kind of different, but a little more modern. Uh, I really enjoyed that. This kind of took me back to my childhood. I think the story is really great. Uh, and I think, I think it's the second best, uh, animated movie of the year, uh, but I really, really enjoyed it. So I wanted to to get that into my top ten. Uh, it booted out host. Host is number eleven, but like, yeah. So Wolf Walkers, uh, great voice acting in this too. Uh, yeah, I just I had a really good time watching it, and I'm glad I I'm glad I watched it before we did the show and stuff. Um, so yeah, all right. Let's go to number nine. Uh, let's go. Let's swing around back to Hannah. What's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Tenet. Uh, I love Tenet hey! so much. Uh, <laughs> I was the one that was like easily like the most high on it on the podcast. Uh, I'm still super high on it. I've uh, seen it. I went and seen it. I think four times. Um, I just it's so much fun. Uh, I love that Christopher Nolan just went like balls to the walls like let's do like a james bond movie that's not a james bond movie um and like john david washington and robert pattinson i mean what else can you ask for uh <laughs> they're so hot it's literally the sexiest movie of the year um yeah i i love this movie so much uh, i'm sad that not everyone loved it but whatever yeah well there you go. <laughs> uh, all right let's go to larry what's your number nine <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to look much further down my list to find Tenet, but I'm glad y'all loved it. Um, coming in at number nine for me is Birds of Prey. And I'm just going to leave... I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to give that whole long-ass title because, child, we ain't got all day. But Birds of Prey was a blast. It was easily my favorite superhero or comic book film of 2020. Margot Robbie, once again, just embodies this character so well. I had a blast with Black Canary. I thought the Huntress was a lot of fun. And it was really daring. Kathy Yan took 
a lot of big swings in this film and created a comic book film pretty much unlike any that we have received, certainly within the DCEU to this point. The soundtrack was fire. The action scenes were up there with the very best action sequences that we've received from any film in 2020. And I just had a blast. It was one of the first films I saw in of the year and it remained in my top 10 this entire time it's great it was in my top 10 until like november when like we really started getting high gear when it came to like festival movies and screeners and stuff like that but i'll never knock birds of prey i it, it didn't it didn't make my top 25 but it was like i told hannah this morning like or not this morning jesus can you imagine i told hannah earlier today that it was like number 26 um, but yeah, I remember still, I, I still really love Birds of Prey, so I'm glad y'all still have it up in your um, list and whatnot. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm it, be, it beats out a lot of these uh, awards contending dramas for me still. Yeah, yeah, and no, I get you, I get you. It's definitely one of the, it's, it's definitely probably uh, some of the most fun that I've had in the theater this year, you know, from what we had earlier in the year. So uh, yeah, all right, lastly, number nine, Kobe, what do you got? Yo, I have got Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man. I'm glad it's in someone's top 10. Yay. Yay. I mean, like, it's, you know, it it stuck with me because, like, as a horror film, I don't want to say it was, I don't want to say, like, it was a film that wasn't supposed to work, but I don't, I don't, I do not Mm. believe that prior to the trailer, that folks had a lot of faith in it, right? Yeah, I'm one Dwayne of them. didn't. I'm one of them. <laughs> Me and Dwayne argue about it on live shows. I said, that trailer looks horrible. I, I did, and I love the movie, but woof. But go ahead. I mean, but, but like, Lee Winnell, I became a fan of his when he brought us Saw, right? It was him. It was, what's the dude's name? Uh, James Wan. James Wan. And I was like, yo, that, it it pretty much, it, 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 it created the spark for the not elevated horror, but kind of like clever horror films, right? And we were kind of moving out of that generation of the 90s and like early 2000s. And like, he, that's what he brought us with Saw. And he's steadily just been like up in the ante every time. And, you know, he's had more probably flops than successes, but he really found something with making this property, which on its face is kind of hokey and made it work. Like there's this kind of refreshing energy and it's smart. Um, I think that like it's a nice way of kind of like creating this domestic terror, right? Like mm-hmm. the thing that is so horrifying is that there's probably unfortunately too many people in our country that are the same victims of what Elizabeth Moss brings to the screen. Um, I think the tension's amazing. It's constantly rising throughout the entire film. Um, it really like I know a lot of people did not catch upgrade. But like I love yeah, how he was yeah. able to kind of infuse that that more kind of like sci-fi kind of smart tech stuff, you know, yeah. to it. The and technology like kind of horror. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I did not expect it with this. I thought that we were gonna get something that was supernatural, and it decided to go in a whole other route. And it really, really did work for me. Um, I love the use of space with the cinematography. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Aldous Hodge and his arms. Come on, guys. It would have made my honorable mentions just for Aldous Hodge alone. I mean, oh my God. I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. It's, like, you know, it's an exceptional you know, horror movie performance from Elizabeth Moss. Like, mm-hmm. she is so good. And like, I thought that she would kind of be in the line of Lupita and stuff like that in regards to like, yo, could she get some like Oscar claim from it? It doesn't look like that's gonna happen, but I'm okay. But like I am glad to have this represented in my number nine spot. 
Yeah, I just appreciate how like homoerotic your entire commentary tonight has been. Hey, you know what? It's late. It's late at night. I'm kind of surprised too. I'm like, this Kobe's kind of. Feeling Kobe, Kobe. Uh, Invisible Man was great. I'm not gonna. Invisible Man was great. I, I it was in my it was it was actually my number one film until um yeah. until like <laughs> close into the fall. Uh, but it, yeah, the Invisible Man was uh was very good, and it was I was very surprised. Also, the, one of the most shocking scenes um that I've I've ever had to witness in a theater, um as far as a dinner scene that they could see moving. So, <laughs> yeah. by the way, um I do just want to mention uh. Lee Wynnell's Insidious films are incredibly underrated, um, and it, they are amazing. I know a lot of people bring up, like, Upgrade and now The Invisible Man, but, like, mm-hmm. um, Insidious 3, and I think he directed Insidious 2. They're great. Uh, yeah, watch them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch them. <laughs> um, all right, so my number nine is, uh, I really wanted to get this into my top five, but then I kept watching more stuff. Uh, but I have Sound of Metal. Uh, I really... Really, really liked this movie. Uh, Riz Ahmed, uh, he gives one of the best performances of the year. And then Olivia Cook is also really, really good in this. Uh, it, it, it it connected a lot with me because uh, I'm deaf in one ear. So, like, one of my biggest fears is losing my right ear. And that's it. I'm out of here. Uh, but, like, I, I think it. I just really enjoyed the way... They kind of made the audience connect with the movie as far as as far as using sound design and stuff. Um, and I just I think it's a really really powerful movie that everyone should check out. That I feel like it, it's getting buzz, but not the buzz that I want it to get. If that makes sense, like I wanted to get more, uh, like the like the the uh, Last Jedi kind of meme of Kylo Ren. Like I want more buzz for Sound of Me- Sound of Metal because I really really enjoyed it. Uh, so that's my number nine film all right we are down to our top eight um i'm gonna go back to kobe mac what is your number eight movie of the year yeah quickly talk about a film that um that was already mentioned in someone else's top 10 and that's disney and pixar's onward (laughs) it's crazy to think that like when we first heard about onward and then we saw the trailers like oh Pixar decided we're just going to like, you know what, we're going to make a Shrek movie, right? And no one was thinking that this movie was going to be good. And like, my goodness, this was such a surprise, right? This is supposed to be this kind of inconsequential, you know, DreamWorks-esque movie. But like, it has some like really strong visuals to it. Maybe not as like daring or innovative as like other, you know, Pixar animated films. Like it's no Inside Out, it's no Soul, it's no Coco or nothing like that. But what makes this film so special is that how powerful the story that's being told about these two brothers that are trying to find something individually and don't know that what they're looking for is in each other. It is the greatest third act that any Pixar film has ever done on screen. I agree. I have been saying this since I watched Onward for the first time, and I keep saying that Onward is my favorite, like, Pixar ending, and everyone always gets mad at me for it. It is so good. Like, yo... Everything was welling up inside of me. Like I could almost kind of see it coming through. And I was like, yo, are they really they're really gonna do this? And Pixar has this knack for not having really conventional villains at all. Like the villain is the things that we're afraid to try to combat in ourselves. And I love that this film is fun. It fully embraces the fantasy genre and pokes fun at it at the same time, wearing its heart on its sleeve. I think that the chemistry between the voice performances of Chris Pratt and Tom Holland are fantastic. Um, it's like this 
this powerful exploration of brotherhood and manhood and fatherhood and it's it it, it, it is a kick in the gut and it is so so good number eight Onward. I don't think I've cried yes! harder this year than the ending of Onward. I think that's the hardest I cried this year watching something. What the hell is going on around here? <laughs> Onward did come up. <laughs> we have to admit, Onward came up in the worst of 2020. It's only out. right to have it in <laughs> the best. Don't be calling Amanda out, man. That's her. Love you, Raji. Love you. <laughs> Don't you hate that? See, I, 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 I sentiment what you just did right there. You're like, I love you, but what the fuck is going on? This is what I do every Tuesday and Thursday with Miss Hannah Ringswald on this line here. Anyway, all right, number eight. Uh, Larry, what do you got? Uh, so coming in at number eight is a film that I just watched, and that is Another Round. So uh, yeah, I, I yeah. was excited to watch it because it, it was receiving so much hype, particularly for Mads Mikkelsen's performance. Mm-hmm. But in the same token, just kind of looking at it from the outside, I was a little bit like, mm, it's getting a lot of hype, but I'm not sure. Uh, it completely blew my expectations, and when we got to that third act, I was just fully invested, fully on board in exactly what the film was doing. It gets knocked a little bit just because I think the final scene muddles what it's trying to say or wh- what exactly we're supposed to take out of this film. But the final scene in and of itself is a great standalone scene in the movie. <laughs> But Mads Mikkelsen is really wonderful in this film. It deals with this idea of midlife crisis and the mundane aspects of life really well. And I loved this friendship. I thought it was exuberant when it was happy and it was devastating when it went for those traumatic moments. It was great. I I really, really enjoyed this film. Uh, yeah, that was one of the movies that I would I, I I I like I put it on my crunch time for like yesterday and today to like try to watch before we did the show, but like it was just too much. I was like, listen, I'll just skip, um, I'll just skip another round, and then I'll probably watch it tomorrow or Saturday or something like that. But um, yeah, I'm happy to ha- I'm happy to hear that it's good, and I tr- and I uh, I've, I've been seeing the same thing a lot of uh, praise for the movie, so I'm actually intrigued to to finally watch it. All right, uh, let's go to Hannah. What do you have for your number eight? All right, my number eight is Promising Young Woman. I think that I'm the only person on the podcast right now that has this in their top ten. Um, uh, yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I really love this movie. I'm not one of the people who was like, deeply disappointed by the third act um i'm actually kind of just like mm, i don't really care how it went like either way because i probably would have enjoyed it uh either way um yeah i think that this movie is just it's one of the more shocking movies of the year and um i don't i don't know there's this is it's special there's something about this because there it's not there's nothing in the movie that's like particularly like um like new i guess uh we've seen movies like it before but the way that this uh the themes are presented are different and yeah i'm really excited for more people to start seeing it uh yeah it was like it was what was it top 15 for me 
Uh, yeah, I'm with I'm with Larry. The yeah. third act just completely took me out. I, yeah, it made it made it. my honorable mentions. Yeah, it made my honorable right list. It's, it's number it's in 14. the 20s for me. It's like yeah. number 23 right now. I haven't got a chance to talk about this. I'm still trying to work on my review for it. Mm-hmm. I think what happened. You know what? I think Matt Naglia fucked it up for me. Okay, I think. Thank <laughs> <that laughs> you. Someone said it. I'm not an asshole. No, I love Matt. Like, you know, hear, hearing the just like the you know. The vehement glee that oh people God, were like, you got to see this movie. Like, one, I kept seeing, I saw the word masterpiece attached to this film so much before I got a chance to watch it. And I literally, my excitement, unfortunately, my, my bar was set so high. Yes. And I'm, the, oh I'm one of the God. few people where marketing does matter to me on how a film. And I know it is not the director's fault and how this film is marketed. Mm-hmm. But, like, what I was being sold was, like, a dark comedy. Like that trailer number two and trailer number three, I'm like, yo, this is going to be light and heavy. It's going to be fun, but serious. And like, oh, I got a completely different film. And I felt Mm -hmm. detached from this character. Um, I couldn't necessarily believe in her or her choices. um, But I have spent a lot of time reading specifically female voices on what their view of this film. And I get it. It just doesn't work for me in particular. It is by far not a bad film. No, yeah, of course. It's still rated like a seven yeah. or eight, to be honest with you. It's yeah. just, it's hard for me to buy. Like, one, it's not, everybody was telling me it's this, it's not a revenge film. Like, it's it's more of a vigilante story. It's just not mm-hmm. a great vigilante story. Yeah, I, 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 I'm so glad you said that. I've been wanting to say that for like a month. But like I love Matt Next, Next Best Picture. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite critics to like read and, and like listen to. But since Sundance, and I was with him in Sundance, and he has been talking about this movie since Sundance and saying things like when someone tells me, like the way my hype gets really, really crazy is when someone is like, you need to see this. Y'all are not ready. No, 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 no. And I'm watching it. And I'm like, this is good. It's just like, what's the not, what's the I'm not ready part, you know? And then we get to the end. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is the I'm not ready part. And it wasn't. And I was really angry by the end because I, but I, like, like you said, I, I, I read and I listened to a lot of, I think it's, I think it's Manda's number one. I, Hannah has it on her list. Uh, so I, I try to listen to a lot of um, what a lot of women said, women said about the movie. And although I did find some some people who were just like, no, like this is not was not for me by the end. Um, the, the, the people who were more positive outweighed the the uh, people who were negative. So, I mean, I, I guess it's not a terrible movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just I was the hype scale was like. At it at my peak, it was kind. Of, it was kind of like the Batman. So if I watch the Batman and it's like a complete disaster, I'm probably just gonna just stop move like like film criticism because I was like, there's no way. But that that's how high <laughs> that's how high like promising young woman was for me. It was like at the Batman, like yo, like I am so ready. And I watched the screener. Uh, my mother, she was like, that's it. I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like I I don't know, but um. Yeah, so with that being said, my number eight is Possessor. So Possessor is a movie that I missed at Sundance. Uh, like I said all the time, they, they did that like 1 a.m. thing. And I was like, dude, I ain't going. I'm just going to bed. Uh, but I finally watched it, and I really wish I, I would have watched it in theaters. 
uh this is one of those movies that you need like a big screen like all the great all the great like sound equipment and stuff to watch i watched it on a computer at work with a screener and it was still good but i just wish i was in a bigger element in a better element to like watch it but i i really i think it's i i i just don't hear a lot of people talk about it at the movie anymore as much as that that people were like back in like september october uh, they did have it in theaters for a few months, but uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed Possessor. I just liked from the opening shot to what, the, what they were doing with all the actors and all the new stuff they were adding to this kind of genre, uh, body body genre at its finest. I, I really, really liked Possessor. All right, number seven. Uh, I will go to Larry. What's your number seven? Wow, that's a beautiful segue because my number seven is hey. Possessor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I said back when we reviewed this, I still really love this film. Some people say it's conventional, but I think it just pushes the edge enough in story that it worked for me. I thought that the body horror stuff was amazing. Its use of light and sound was also stellar. Mm -hmm. And the concept was really intriguing. It truly was a great science fiction horror film on both fronts and i think it succeeded for the most part in both categories it had some really strong performances particularly i thought christopher abbott was great in this film and yeah i think the ending brought up some questions uh that i was like "Mm, well is this really logical but i was able to overlook my questions because by and large i had such a great time watching this movie yeah, yeah, agree. I, I think it's a, I think it's a movie that Hannah would really like, but uh, she's slacking over there. Did you see Possessor yet, Hannah? What's going on? No, she didn't see it. Mike is all muted. Anyway, all right, let's go number eight. Let's go to Kobe. What's your number eight? Ah, well, my number seven. Excuse me. Yeah, number seven, and this could create some controversy. Seven, seven. Oh my God, I know what it I is. I saw this in 2020. Okay. And probably only like 60 people saw it in 2019. But it is 1917 for your boy. Okay? Like, it didn't show up on my 2020 last year because mm-hmm. I didn't see it in 2020. So, yeah, give me my chance to be able to talk about it. Yo, 1917 is, it's a visual stunner. You know, I went in lukewarm on what I was going to be getting because of all the talk about it. Like, people were really, really hyping it up. But like, yo, Deacon's the GOAT, right? GOAT cinematography. Um, Sam Mendes does a really good job. Like, I understood what screen direction is with this film. The, the the cumulative effort of, like, the score, the editing, the production and sound design. Like, it just creates this technical achievement, and it's absolutely deserving of every win that it got at the Academy Awards and then some. Um, and surprisingly, like, I was moved. Um, like, the story itself... We've like kind of seen this story before, but all of those other elements, it kind of reminds me of like what, you know, what happened with Roma. Like just everything outside of the story itself was perfect. And that's kind of essentially what 1917 was. Like it is just done exceptionally well. Um, even though the story is not complex, it still has an emphasis on, you know, like the heart of like what this character is going through. And we are able to travel with this person like they're the avatar. And um, I think that it is just amazing. Um it takes away a little bit from the narrative punch, but it still has room to kind of deliver this like emotional and thematic oomph. So yeah, 1917 is my number seven film of 2020. 
I love 1917 when I when I watched it earlier this year. Uh, so I get you. Got you. All right. Uh, number seven. Let's go to Hannah. What do you got for number seven? No, I haven't seen Possessor, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I want to. Um, my number seven is Soul. Uh, I love this movie so much. Hey. I love Pixar. Hey. So um, it was bound that Onward or this would end up in my top ten. Um, this one I just liked a bit more than Onward. Um, I just think that it, the story is more like cohesive, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. You don't derail as much as you do in Onward, which was like, my one problem with the movie um yeah this movie is uh so beautiful and it made me cry really hard and uh the voice performances are so good and it looks so beautiful and the themes and messages are so cute as always um yeah it kind of made me have like a a existential crisis a little bit um (laughs) but yeah yeah. Yeah, i agree agree. (laughs) yeah i love this movie yeah um all right uh yeah that's that's on my list but we're not there yet uh my Number seven movie. Okay, so this is the most fun. So this is probably the the most surprising movie for me as, as like a first watch, like not going in with a complete blind eye. Because I saw it at Sundance and I saw the title. I saw who was in it. And I said, okay. Um, I didn't know what, what the movie was about or anything. I didn't see any trailers. I don't think they had trailers all that, at that time. Uh, but it's probably the most fun that I've had in a theater uh, this year. And that is Palm Springs. Uh, I... I, I really miss audiences like the audiences that I had at Palm Springs and Sundance. Everyone just laughing and just having a really, really fun time and like a really, really packed audience. Uh, I miss that a lot. And and the best, that best moment was is probably uh, with this movie. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I, I obviously I don't think it does a lot of things like brand new, but I just think it, I just I just enjoy what they do over overall with the story. I think J.K. Simmons is so funny in this. Um, but then as far as the uh, you know we have uh, Kristen Milioti and I thought she was great. Uh, I just I really enjoyed the movie a lot. Uh, it it does this uh, trope, but I think I think I think they 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 they, they do ways. They have uh, their ways uh, of making the trope kind of fresh and new, um, and I and I just remember really having a lot of uh, like a good time uh, with this movie when I saw it. It was much much higher on my list a couple of months ago, uh, but I knew I wanted to keep it in my top ten because I just remember having a really good time uh, watching that again, and then watching it at home on Hulu again was also still a fun time. So I recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. So that's my number seven. So now we are at number six uh let's go back to hannah what's your number six all right so my number six is the king of staten island i know i'm the only person with this on my list uh (laughs) i (laughs) i'm usually not a huge fan of judd apatow movies but this one i don't know it's really funny um and i know like everyone's always like oh my god judd apatow movies are so funny but usually they're like not but this one's actually funny uh i laughed a lot during this movie i cried a lot during this movie during the end um yeah, I've only seen it once, so I can't say a whole lot about it because I'm struggling to remember um, some of the stuff in it. But from what I am remembering and just like remembering like my experience um, when I watched it for the first time, I just had so much fun. Um, and Pete Davidson's great in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about him later in my oh. list. But <laughs> this movie also is really excellent. Uh, and Marissa Tomei is amazing in this movie. Um, if support, I actually. I kind of hope that she gets in for supporting actress. I would love to see that because uh, she's just chef's kiss. Um, and yeah, uh, Bill Burr is amazing in it too. Um, all right. 
uh, <laughs> I thought that was going to be a little bit higher on your list, so um, I ain't too mad, I guess. All right, let's go to Larry. What's your number six movie? So coming in at number six for me, I have Monsoon, which is this lovely LGBTQ story about returning home. And it stars Henry Golding. I saw it at an LGBTQ film festival earlier this year. And don't know when it's actually getting a proper release, where and when, but I loved it. I thought it was a quiet film, but a moving film in its quiet moments. It had a lot to say, once again, about Vietnam and minorities within Vietnam. It it actually was interesting seeing this after watching Defy Bloods over the summer and then revisiting that sort of theme here in this film. But the ending was amazing and was like a take my breath away type of ending. (laughs) Henry Golding is just so charming and attractive and all of the things. Um, And I I just, I really connected with it. So Monsoon is number six. Yeah, I want to see it, but it's like showing nowhere. So I I guess that's that's going to be a 2021 list, uh, you know, for me next year. Uh, All right, let's go to Kobe, number six. What's on your list? Yeah, well, speaking of Vietnam, I will take us to Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. yeah, it's crazy how this always happens, right? The second half of the year brings up so many other films that are like a little bit more fresher. And The Five Bloods was like near the tops, you know, up until the second half of the year. And like Spike Lee, just like it's really crazy, like how poignant that film was and how timely it was. Um, a lot of the emotional turmoil and just kind of like civil unrest that we were experiencing, like in the middle of this pandemic. And then here comes this film that is kind of like decrying speaking to a lot of the similar things that were going on damn near 50 years ago it's deeply impactful Mm -hmm. um it's kind of eerie because of everything like 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 how it was happening and it's uncanny too um the five bloods has strong perform it's a really strong ensemble and a standout performance from delroy linda who i've been a fan of this man since i first watched crooklyn when i was 10 years old and i'm just like this dude has just been like working his ass off for decades. And I think that he's finally going to get, you know, the deserved um, acclaim uh, for just like all of his stellar work. And especially inside this film, you know, the fact that it's one of the final performances with our dearly departed brother, Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of folks, Spike Lee has a very signature style to like how he wants to tell his stories. You know, it's like part narrative, part documentary, put it all together. He's shooting in different, you know, aspect ratios. He's doing some different things, you know. Um, I love the music in this film. I think the story is really, really great. You know, it depicts a father and son who are trying to connect, but then it's just really, really hard. I mean, that monologue from Delroy Delroy Lindo at the end of the film is just like still haunting. Like how, like, it's like, it's like he jumped through the screen and like looked at you directly in the face and it was just, it was absolutely great. So yeah, um, the five bloods, if you have, if anybody has not got a chance to watch it, watch it. I promise you that you will walk away and come away from that film and just being like spoken to and being really moved. So yeah, that is my number six, the five bloods. All right, the five bloods. That comes up on my list very, very soon. Uh, but my number six, I have Moraney's Black Bottom. Uh, you spoke about Chadwick Boseman. Like this performance from him was just so 
excellent. He has two amazing scenes in this, but throughout the film, you're just watching his like witty dialogue and and like his witty uh, his witty like uh, performance and stuff like that. And I I just really uh, dug what he did. Uh, but then the same goes with Viola Davis in this. I don't even know who who she is in this movie, but she's so great. The singing, the soundtrack. Uh, the score, everything is really, really good. Just the, uh, the cinematography and the way it looks. Uh, I really, I, once again, another movie that I would, I, it's Netflix, but I know a couple of theaters in Boston that shows a lot of Netflix movies. It's another movie that I definitely would want to see in theaters, but uh, it's on my list. And I've watched it twice since uh, since it, it came out. I think it came out like last weekend or the weekend before. Uh, but I, I, I really, really enjoyed Moraney's Black Bottom. So that's my number six. Um, all right. We are in a top five territory. This is where things get very, very interesting. I'm looking at you, Hannah, because I'm nervous. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, top five. Let's go. Let's go to Larry for your top five. So coming in at number five for me is Wolf Walkers, which mm-hmm. Dwayne had mentioned earlier. I adored this film. So Cartoon Saloon is the production company behind Wolf Walkers. And this is actually their fourth film and their third film in their spiritual Celtic uh, trilogy. Mm-hmm. And to me, I've loved all four of the films that the studio has produced, but I think Wolf Walkers is my favorite. The animation style is absolutely stunning. They utilize this storybook type of whimsical, fluid animation that works so well and captures the essence of what's happening beautifully. Obviously, if you put an environmental animal message alongside this female empowerment message, I'm in love. Like, you have me sold. And this film does both of those really well and without shoving either of them in your face, but just telling the story. I also love that it does pay homage to its Celtic roots without being so in your face. So the score obviously uses a lot of traditional Celtic instruments, but it never feels like some sort of hokey soundtrack. And the lore itself, while Wolfwalkers aren't necessarily a Celtic myth, a lot of the myths that come out of Ireland and the Celtic region do deal with wolves. So it pays heavy homage without pandering and I loved that as Dwayne said the voice work was fantastic I thought the scene with Aurora's uh, running with wolves was one of the most beautiful and amazing scenes in all of film for 2020 I loved it this was what I thought was going to be my favorite animated film of the year it just barely misses that honor but they're so close in my book i i loved agreed yeah i agree about them being really close uh yeah because it's still fresh on my mind and it was a really it's a really really enjoyable movie um yeah it's really good for the kids although i don't know how much how much kids are gonna watch it just because of it being on apple tv plus uh, hopefully I know, a lot of, watch yeah, it over I, there. Uh, I um yeah if it was on like a netflix i would definitely see a lot more kids because you can easily put it in the kid section or something or like a disney plus but yeah i don't see it getting any traction over there on uh on netflix i mean on apple tv plus sadly um okay so uh number five let's swing over to hannah what's your number five my number five is a movie that we've already mentioned, uh, and that is Monsoon. Once again, so sorry. We don't know when you're going to be able to watch this movie. Me and Larry got lucky. Uh, 
getting to catch it. Um, yeah, this movie's just so beautiful. It's a story about like identity and everything else that Larry mentioned. Um, I love it for all the reasons that Larry loves it also. And Henry Golding is like my long shot for like a nomination for best actor. Uh, he, he won't be nominated, but I personally would love to see him there. He is amazing in this movie. He's so understated, but so just vulnerable. And it's, he's amazing this movie is amazing um and i can't wait for it to come out so everyone can watch it because i do think that this movie is gonna be like very much loved on film twitter and i can't wait to engage in the hype with everybody uh yeah uh whenever this movie releases watch it not a date i'm like low in line right now looking for it no 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 that's a frustrating there's like no nothing i thought it was at least like march but it says nothing no so I don't even know how if it's gonna get eligible for this year's Oscars, and if that's the uh, case, because I don't see, yeah, I don't see anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to watch it though. I'm gonna I, cross my fingers and hope it's not. So then Henry Golding has a chance, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I um, <laughs> I, I want to watch it so because I, I I hear good things from uh from you and and, and Larry. Uh, but um, yeah, I just wish it's kind of similar to Minari in a way. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just it's so breathtaking like both of them like when i think of like movies that like absolutely took my breath away this year it's minari and monsoon yeah i just wish i wish it was at like more festivals like the boston one or like yeah. any other like a new york or something it was it was only like two so i was like okay um but yeah i want to see it really bad so all right number five uh colby what you got yeah i have regina king's directorial debut mm-hmm. in one night in miami Got a chance to catch this at Film Fest 919 in North Carolina. And, man, I, I, I watched it twice. I watched it once um, on in a drive-through experience and watched it again um, inside a traditional theatrical presentation. And the film, it's, it is really unique. It's this kind of unconventional, fictional biopic. I mean, essentially, for those that don't know, one Night in Miami is the kind of the fictional account of just one night where these icons, you got Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam mm-hmm. Cooke, Jim Brown, and it's pretty much them after, you know, um, Muhammad Ali's uh, big fight, and they just talk. Um, this is based on a stage play. It does have some stageisms or theatricality to it um, that some folks may not be used to. And I think as a theater kid, that's what appeals to me most. Because this is an actor's vehicle. This ensemble is incredible. I mean, uh, everybody is, we already talked about Aldous Hodge earlier, playing Jim Brown, Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. Um, I'm not familiar with Eli Gore, but like, I really like what he did as Muhammad Ali. And keep in mind, Will Smith is my Muhammad Ali. So that's saying yeah. something. He really embodied him. But like the standout performance was from Kingsley Benadir. I don't know that brother from nothing. All I know is that here's this light-skinned dude with a weird hairline. Oh, yeah, he was in High Fidelity. All right, cool. Um, But he brung it as Malcolm X. And Denzel is my Malcolm X. I think Regina King was able to take the decades of work that she's been doing since she was a child and all the different, you know, storytellers that have impressed upon her, and she puts it on this screen. And um, I can see where she's letting these actors play. I love the lighting in this film. It is very challenging to light black skin, and this film pays particularly close attention to it. The music is great, but the conversation is almost a character in itself. Um, just like we were speaking about with the Five Bloods, and I think this year is uniquely special. The conversation that's being had about the plight of the black experience in America is central to this story, and how these four 
men who are the same, who are at the pinnacle of success in their lives are kind of at a crossroads, what their responsibility is to themselves and to their community. Um, it's a really challenging film. Um, it's great. And I cannot wait for folks to be able to catch it on Amazon prime, I believe next week or two. Number I think it was next week that it's coming on uh, Amazon Prime. Oh my God! I mean, I'm not even gonna talk about what happened with me and one night of my. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I know. I'm I'm ashamed <laughs> I'm of myself for missing it. it. Yeah, we got the screener, and then I, I I watched a half hour. I went back to work, and then the screener was expired. I, I don't want to talk about it. But uh, okay, so my number Regina five. King, what a woman. Yeah. My, my my number five is a movie that I was so happy that I this is like the movie that if I wasn't able to watch by the end of the year so I can like fit it on my on my top ten somehow, I will I would probably be like a little devastated, uh just because I everyone was talking about it. Everyone and their mamas done seen it except for me. Um, but I finally I ain't gonna talk about how I got to see it, but I my number five is Nomad Land. Um <laughs> uh, Larry, no. Um, so uh, I thought I think that I this makes me so excited for Eternals uh, because Chloe uh, Chloe Zhao was I mean her 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 her, her direction for, for this movie is just really really stunning um, and I'm so happy I got to watch it. Uh, Frances McDormand she gives an amazing performance. Uh, it's one of those movie it's one of those indie flicks that there's not like a groundbreaking story at the forefront. You're just kind of watching someone's day-to-day -day life and how the other people around that person is affected and how they're affected. Uh, and I think it's probably one of the most powerful movies of the year. Uh, it was right up there once again, like my number two, my one, one and two, um, until I saw a great animated movie that I'll bring up. But uh, yeah, I, I have Nomadland at my number five. So now we are at our top four. So let's go. Go to Hannah. What's your number four? Okay. Uh, I know nobody else has this on their list. Uh <laughs> All right. The hedgehog. God. No. no. Uh, my number four is Borat. Uh, Borat 2. Uh, I love this movie so much, and I did not expect myself to love this movie as much as I love it. Um. I mean, it's funny. We all know it's funny. It's uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. He's always hilarious. Um, and he's great in this movie. Um, and uh, the girl who plays his daughter, um, I am blanking on her name. but Maria she, Bacalova? Right? Yeah, she is fantastic She's in this great. movie. Um, I just, I love this movie so much. It made me cry so hard. And I did not expect to cry at a fucking Borat movie. Uh, <laughs> I was not like looking forward to this movie at all. And then watching it, I was like, oh my God, why am I like so swept up in this like uh, movie about like a father daughter relationship? Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And of course, like the political, the political themes, especially during the time that it came out. Cause it was, uh, I think it released during like the night that the election started. I'm like, pretty sure uh so yeah uh love this movie so much uh okay so Bor no i was not uh, nobody else has that on the list probably <laughs> i don't think kobe does but i didn't see it i don't i still haven't seen the first one i i'm, I'm, I'm fine um, i don't okay. think we would get down with borat yeah it's fine with me all right so number four let's switch over to uh kobe what's your number four yeah number four film um I'm telling you. So, if y'all don't, if y'all don't just like get in the vibe, sorry. <laughs> Sounds like some Star Trek type. Of I know, right? <laughs> my my list is very black. So next up at number four is Ma Rainey's 
black yes. bottom. Um, I expected to be high on your list, Wayne, because like even though this film just came out, it is it's unique because it's also unconventional in like it being a biopic, but mm. like not being about Ma Rainey. Um, I, I am pretty confident that Netflix kind of jerry rigged this film and like engineered it to feature Chadwick Moore. This is also yeah. depicted from a play. Um, so once again, it really speaks to me. Um, it's a musical in essence, but like I was blown away. This is one of the most powerful films of the year. It's like this musical poem. You know, it talks about the harsh realities of what being black in America is then and still is now. Um, how society is so ready to use us up and spit us out at every term and just cast us aside as leftovers. And, you know, Levy, and this was the final performance by Chadwick Boseman. It mm-hmm. was hard for me. I actually, this is one of the few times where I almost wish that I could have watched it at first at home. I had the pleasure of watching this in a theater all to myself. So you can pause my eyes out. Yeah, because yeah, I paused a lot. Yeah. There are there's moments where I'm an actor first and foremost, even before I'm a critic. Mm-hmm. And there's a level of commitment to what Chadwick is doing in this scene as Levy. And then also at the same time, there's this duality because this man is literally his body is nearing its end. And there's these just spiritual truths that he's espousing and a specific monologue in which he is defaming God. And it mm. made me cry mm. so hard. Like, I, it, it, it's really, really incredible. You mm. know, a lot of people are talking about the father. I haven't got a chance to see that yet. But right now, Chadwick, and I thought like people were gonna be like, oh, like, oh, we're going to use his death and we're going to try to stump for him and like, you know, this posthumous Oscar. No, 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 no. This man absolutely deserve he is a beast this ensemble is just full-on beast mode um mm-hmm. viola davis transforms herself into mom Raimi. yo if there's an award for like best boob sweat in a movie she gets it um <laughs> she, shout out to the <laughs> team to the makeup i mean she is gritty she's 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 a really unlikable character and yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. she's still doing some really unique things yo coleman domingo the man is just effortlessly just cool in everything that he does. You know, Glenn Turner, you know, Turner, it, it, like he will forever be Colonel from a different world to me. And like, you know, it's just, it's, it's so good. It's so strong. Um, it, it's written well, watched on Netflix several times. And I, I promise you, you will not be left um, just like not impacted uh, by the story and the performances. Great film. Proud to be in my number four spot. Um, all right, damn. Now you made me want to put it up. It's like number two or something, but uh, I mean, you can, there's still time, bro. <laughs> no, I already said it. It's all right. Uh, but I, I sent him what you said about everything. I, I mean, I love the, the movie, I really, really did. It was really, really tough to watch. I paused it so much time, so many times because of how, how, how great Chadwick was and stuff. But uh, okay, so number four, I think Hannah, you said yours, right? Um, getting, yeah, I'm getting tired. Okay, is it? It's Larry, Larry, number four. So coming in at number four for me is Soul from Pixar. (laughs) I loved this film. I was hoping to love it. I was expecting to love it. It's from Pete Doctor. And while I'm not the biggest fan of Up, uh, everything else from Pete Doctor is simply amazing. And he delivered once again with this really adult, beautiful film and i do think it is probably pixar's not probably i think it is pixar's most adult centric film to date but i don't mind that i don't have a problem with that and i think they 
really handle the existentialism of life very well. I adored the ending. I thought Jamie Foxx was fantastic in our lead role. I found Joe to be a highly relatable character. And I know there's some controversy around 22, but I also found 22 to be a highly relatable character. I wonder why. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> for very different reasons, I related to them both. <laughs> but I thought it was fun. I thought it was beautiful. Everything that happens on Earth is just stunning to look at in New York. Yeah. And yeah. then the inventiveness of the animation of the soul realm is really breathtaking. Plus that score is my favorite score that Trent Reznor and Atticus have done to date. I thought it was so good. Everything about the film really worked for me. So I loved Soul and it's number four. All right. So uh, yeah, Soul's coming uh, for me. But uh, okay, my number four uh, is a movie that I recently watched and uh, I... It's like the only movie, it's, it's literally the only movie movie in my top 10 that I'm still thinking about, probably because I just watched it a few days ago. Um, but I have The Vast of Night. Uh, the Vast of Night, I thought, I, uh, I thought it was really, really, really uh, good. I thought it was very conventional. I thought it was very fresh on this kind of sci-fi genre and like indie sci-fi. I'm a big fan of indie sci-fi. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the budget of this movie because the budget is probably not that high, but it feels like a very, it feels like a studio uh, kind of studio kind of film. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I watched it on I watched it on my 4K TV. I'm glad I did because I would have loved to see it in theaters as well in a nice Dolby theater, especially with the soundtrack uh, and stuff that's all involved and the score. But everything that that's done directing wise, there's just like long one shot take that I don't know how they did it. I, I, I rewound it like six times to try to figure out what they used, what they did. But it's like going through a neighborhood and it's one shot. I'm thinking it's a drone, but it just looked it just looked really, really cool. Uh, they have this aspect ratio thing, not the waves, bad aspect ratio um, that they do in waves, but like the aspect ratio to where it's like you're watching a movie, uh, but then it kind of switches to if you're watching like a 1960s slash 70s kind of film uh with the with the with the color grading and everything and i love stuff like that too just the technical aspect of the movie um and the technical achievements of the movie uh and the performances were great uh there's this monologue for with like a this this lady i don't know who her, what her name is but the monologue that she does towards the end was really good uh yeah it's it's my most surprising movie of the year because i heard about it but i was like ah i mean looks good but i feel like i'm not i'm not gonna vibe it felt like one of those kind of hannah movies uh you know Hannah. You know. I hate when he says that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was gonna be one of those where somebody looks into the camera and Hannah cries. Hannah cries. I think this has literally mentioned that I cried really hard. <laughs> every movie. I hate movies out of here. You didn't cry. I'm whatnot. Borat or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Vast of Night is my number. Is, is the number four? My my number four favorite movie of the year. I, I really really liked it. Um, okay. Top three, finally, we are in the top three. I'm very excited to hear everyone's. Uh, Hanny, you talking all this shit, so let's go with you. Which I'm <laughs> okay, so I've been keeping this from Dwayne all day uh, and everyone because I rewatched all three of my um, top three because I wasn't sure 
what movie was my favorite of the year uh, and I had to nail it down somehow and I think I'm pretty concrete in what I have and my third favorite movie of the year is Big Time Adolescence um oh, hallelujah <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> this was my favorite for a long time go ahead go ahead sorry this is my favorite for a long time and I don't know why but this movie just really like touched me um I was really excited for it leading up to it literally like I was the only one on Twitter like oh my God, when is Big Time Adolescence re- releasing? When is Big Time Adolescence re- releasing? If I saw my old Twitter, you know, that you like, bothered me for. I was like, hey, I'm <laughs> alone. I'm trying. If, <laughs> if my still, if my old Twitter wasn't suspended, you could literally look up movies and cats, Big Time Adolescence, and I tweeted Hulu every day for like three months, asking them when they're releasing a trailer and a release date for this movie because I was that excited for it, uh, <laughs> and it didn't disappoint me. It's a movie about friendship, and I don't know why, but this year, I guess, just movies about friendship really touched me. Um, and I think this is such an essential coming of age movie also it's so funny by the way this is a directorial debut and it doesn't feel like a directorial debut um and pete davidson is amazing in it and then um griffin gluck is his name he's amazing in it too they have amazing chemistry uh they're so good together every scene it's like it's like electrifying kind of um when they're interacting uh and the soundtrack is really good to this movie too uh that's like a standout point in the movie and it has one of my favorite scenes i think still my favorite scene of the year um is in this movie towards the end of the film um and i think it's a really great like takedown of like toxic masculinity toxic masculinity it's very subtle the themes of that but i found i found them in the movie um yeah i love this movie so much and, and i don't know if you i don't know if you remember but you brought this movie up last summer and yeah i did it was a show that me you and larry were doing <laughs> for our what was it like most anticipated, most anticipated movies of 2019 the, yeah, i think for the rest of the 2020 it was like last summer the, the our most anticipated for the rest of the year and then hannah like when we get to like number two it's like bedtime adolescence and me and Larry are like what like what and, and, <laughs> this was a movie I, at sundance in 2019 guys that's like <laughs> yeah i was like we that's how long i'm waiting me and larry was baffled what did you say Anna? and then i mean it came out i saw it larry and i, saw I mean it. not 2019 2018 this movie's yeah. at sundance in 2018 what happened so why is it taking so damn long but <laughs> Um, I for someone to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they knew what they were doing. I'm just saying. Uh, all right, let's go to number three. Let's go to Kobe. What's your number three? Yo, all right. So my number three is a film that should be out next week, I believe. Got a chance to catch that uh, film fest nine one nine. This is Farewell Amor. This Ooh. is from a up and coming director, Ekwa Misagi. Um, she is fantastic. Got a chance to catch an interview with her uh, from my cruise podcast, my Nordic Sport Film Podcast, and pretty much it's this it's an immigrant story set in New York, and New York is the greatest city in the world. So it spoke to me on a lot of levels. It infuses music. Essentially, a quick gist of it is that uh, this family reunited after being 17 years apart. There's an Angolan immigrant. Um, he's joined by his wife and daughter. Um, after being apart for 17 years. And this story just depicts the struggles of the immigration system. What is it like when you've led this life so far apart 
from one another and how they are acclimating to being, you know, in this tiny one bedroom apartment in New York. And they discover a shared love of dance throughout. It's told in a really unique way. We get to see these different perspectives kind of linking this time in each person's space. Um, it's beautifully shot. I mean, this being like, you know, like what an indie film is, it's got some really high marks. The performances are incredibly strong. Um, the lead actor in this film, uh, Natari Gumba, well, I want to get his name right. Natari Guma Imbajo Imwini. He plays Walter. He is incredible. Incredible. Um, all the performances all around are really, really good. Um, Andre from Blackish is in this movie somehow. Um, you know, it's it's fun, it's vibrant. The story, even though it's been an immigrant story, it's quite universal in like the way that we um how each person is looking for love and love that they thought they had and how it's different. Um, it's exceptionally powerful. I think the color is great. I'm so glad it finally has a poster. So check it out. Go on IMDb, Farewell or More. I promise you, you will love this film. Check out some of the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It is exceptional. Um, and it is definitely good to be on my number three. Is it is it on a service right now? or just is yeah, it up So it got buy? purchased by IFC Films. Um, oh, okay. So I think it's going. I think it's on VOD next week, and I want to okay. say that has a little. Um, I'm not too sure if, if uh, Amazon is going to be carrying it, but um, mm-hmm. it is going to be on VOD very, very soon. Okay, 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it looks. Yo, I heard a lot about it. It's so yeah. good. I, yeah, I actually heard a lot about it. So um, yeah, I'm intrigued to, to finally uh, watch that one. Okay, so uh, let's go, Larry. Did you get your number three? Yet? All right, no, Larry. <laughs> Uh, so my number three has been mentioned so far, uh, and it is Sound of Metal. I just really loved mm-hmm. this film. The sound design of this movie is amazing and actually takes on a character of its own <laughs> in so many aspects and does so much to just convey and immerse you in your experience watching it. Dwayne has mentioned it with a couple of films, but this is one where I really, really wish I could have seen this in a movie theater because that sound design at home was already just so immersive and amazing, but I can just imagine being surrounded by it in a movie theater. But we also have a fantastic cast here led by Riz Ahmed, who gives possibly, probably his best performance of his career. He's amazing. We all have, also have Paul Racy, who is phenomenal. He's a death actor, and I commend the filmmakers here Mm, for getting such a large community of deaf actors to star in this film and it worked so well olivia cook is wonderful really our our entire cast our main core cast is fantastic and we're able to deliver some of the most powerful and at times uplifting other times wrecking scenes of the year once again you're left with this really transfixing and emotional, almost cathartic ending to the film. It, it really just took me on a journey. I thought it was beautiful and highly impactful. Uh, yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, agree. I think it's a really, really powerful film. Um, and I hope a lot more, I hope more people will watch it because I want more people to talk about it. Like I said earlier, I want more. Um, okay. I, I really think if it doesn't win the Sound Design Award, I, I don't know. And it's like 10 
I'm dying if if Riz and Paul can't get into Best Actor and Supporting Actor, I'll yeah. also be dying. I agree. <laughs> I, I 100% agree. Uh, okay, my number three is a movie that's been brought up as well uh, in this list, and I am going uh, to say that it's The Five Bloods. So for the longest period of time, it was my number one movie, but like, and I'm usually lately I've been like I like I love Spike Lee, but like lately I've just been like ah. So when the, when the movie was coming out, I was just like um, I mean we'll see and stuff like that. It was Netflix, but I, although Netflix has a really had a lot of good award contender movies, like you know especially last year and stuff like that. Uh, but I when I when I watched it, uh, I had no. It's like probably the first time where because if you know me and you heard the live show, I'm always bitching about like movie run times. Like I fucking hate the Irishman because I don't need any movie <laughs> like 18 hours or Wonder Woman 1984's runtime. Uh that's probably the one time where like the the runtime was just like a breeze for me. This is a two hour and thirty-six uh minute movie. And um I I mean I was perfectly fine because there's so many scenes that just whether it's like the the climax scene, whether it's this like this like bomb scene, uh, whether it's the Delroy Lindo kind of monologue, whether it's the opening with all those shots. I think I did the review. Yeah, I did the review with Larry and Colby. Um, and we were just talking about some of these iconic scenes, and it's our and it's and the movie came out this year, and those scenes can be considered iconic. Uh, so many things just stuck with me when the move, like you know, when we watched the film and. The movie, I mean, it came out around summertime, and this movie really fit into what was going on around that time as far as social justice and stuff like that. So, uh, and then rate and racism. Uh, yeah, so the movie has, it still sticks with me, and it stuck with me uh, for a really, really long time. So, that's my number three, uh, The Five Bloods. So, we are down to our number t- our top two movies uh and once again i'm really nervous about here now because i feel like she's gonna say a movie and i'm just gonna be like, if you don't leave me alone <laughs> uh, by the way this is the movie that Dwayne likes the one that he's like oh i'm scared she's gonna say a movie you can't be tripping like this all right number two let's go to but let's go back to larry for your number two film what you got I'm not worried about Hannah anymore. The only the only unacceptable answer from her top three is out of the way, so we're good. Um, <laughs> we're moving along to my own top two. I also have a movie that has been mentioned on actually multiple lists, and that is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is my number two film of the year. I adored this film. Of course, we've talked about Chadwick Boseman and his just completely moving performance. Viola Davis is stunning in this film with a beautiful transformation, as we talked about. But while I think this movie actually gets away a little bit from feeling like a play as Fences did, the the previous Viola Davis, uh, August Wilson adaptation. I think it gets away just slightly, but it still has that amazing dialogue. It's a really great adaptation. And it shines a light on, once again, issues that have lessened over time, but still feel unfortunately relevant. That ending scene, I know some people were confused, but 
it was so impactful to me. It actually was a devastating end to the film because mm-hmm. you knew it was coming. As soon as he handed over that music, I was like, oh no. Um, and you know what's coming and that ending just is a history lesson along the lines of what Trolls World Tour. <laughs> Who would have thought Ma Rainey's and Trolls World Tour <laughs> educating the people on cultural thievery. Um, but that monologue also that Ma Rainey gives about why she behaves the way she does and how she's disposable was amazing and i i love that this also does pull obviously from the play first but pulls from ma rainey's own autobiographical context of you know her bisexuality and her lesbian tendencies and i'm glad they didn't shy away from that either it was forefront and center it was a really moving film from start to finish. I was completely enthralled and I, I, I literally haven't stopped thinking about this film since I watched it. Every single day, yeah. pretty much, I've thought about it at least at one point or another. That's how much it impacted me. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great movie. I watched it twice so far. Um, really, really good movie. All right, so uh, number two, let's go to Kobe Mack. What's your number two? Yo, 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 my number two film of 2020. And this is a film that I've been championing since it came out. It's a beautiful little movie that not enough people are talking about. It is The Photograph, starring Issa oh. Rae. Oh, wow. Like, I think what I fell in love with the approach of this film is that not only is it gorgeous, but it filled me up with pride to be able to see a story that is so proud in itself and it's centering on two black lead characters that are not having to struggle. It is not about their black pain, um, which makes it so much more dignified in the type of film that we need to have more so um, being told. Um, I'm proud of the production. I think that I was beyond impressed um, with the director, the director's vision, um, the screenplay. It's very poetic. Um, it's a type of story that kind of soothes you. It soothed my soul. Um, I was stunned by like how beautiful the film is, the beauty in the celebration of black skin on the screen. Um, it has some amazing camera work. The music is great. Just go on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever, and look up the soundtrack and the score for the photograph. You got Kelvin Harrison Jr. that's inside of this film. It's beautiful narratives that flip back and forth between you know a story that's in the pre- that's in the past and dealing with a love story that is in the present. Um, it's really beautiful. It's a strong ensemble. I think this film has a lot of grace and regality to it. Um, like I said, the fact that it's a story featuring a majority black cast, not centering on them being black and their black pain. Um, I want more like it. And it is, it is still uh, my, one of my favorite movies. Obviously it's my number two film. And uh, I think y'all may be surprised what I have at number one, because this was number one for most of the year. But as I was putting this list together, uh, there's one film that slightly outshone it. It's not a direct correlation, but have you watched Sylvie's Love yet? Um, I have not. Um, oh, yeah. So, I think you would really so like I gotta, it. I got to be honest, man. I don't it, The fact that it takes me like two extra steps to get to Amazon Prime and to get to Apple TV. <laughs> Are you no, like, kidding this, me? This is a real thing. Like, this is, this is a real thing, bro. Like, <laughs> I, it, that, that, extra, that extra step, it, it is tough. Um, well, that's so how I was with HBO Max. Yeah, HBO Max. I was, I was like, listen, I'm not going to go on my PlayStation if it's not available on my freaking Roku. Then what am I doing? 
But yeah. uh, I, I I get it. I guess. Um, okay, let's go to Hannah. What's your number two? All right, my number two is I think some of y'all's number one. Uh, <laughs> oh no, she did it. I'm sorry. Oh, what the fuck? Uh, my number two is Minari. Uh, <laughs> I just. When I was talking about Monsoon, I said it was breathtaking that this movie and Monsoon both took my breath away. And I, like, I quite literally mean that. Like, the entire time that I was watching this movie, I was, like, so swept up in it and so just, like, just, like, amazed by what I was seeing. I just, I can't even put into words, like, fully, like, like, just how much I love this movie. It's kind of like calling by your name in a way where it's, like, it just, it hit me, like, so hard. And I was, like, oh, my God, this is, like, just I don't know. This movie is so special, and Steven Yeun is so good in it. Um, and I, I can't wait for him to be nominated. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to say Academy Award nominee uh, Steven Yeun. Uh, please. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely, like, I'm praying. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even religious, but I will pray for his nomination. Um, yeah, Minari is just so special, and I can't wait for everyone to see it because I think this is one of A24's best movies. I think it's like top five, like A24. And yeah, I, I love this movie so much. I'm sorry that it's not number one, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, anyway, my number two is a movie that surprised me as well. Uh, this came, this, thank, thank God, this movie saved Christmas for me uh, because my. Speaking of Christmas, I feel like. Kobe, if you do this, if your number one is what I think it is, I I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I feel like it's itching to it. But for now, I'm going to talk about Soul. That is my number two movie of the year. Uh, I absolutely love, I loved uh, Soul when I watched it the first time. I watched the screener. And uh, I just connect with the movie. Like, I, I only, I think only Hannah really knows about how, like, you know, when her and I get into our deep talks about, like, about anxiety and stuff like that on our on our live shows or before the live shows and whatnot. The movie really made me kind of uh, appreciate, like, appreciate life what it is right now because you know anything can happen and and you don't want to regret, you know, when that day does come eventually and stuff and and i think that movie does that really well as far as like it also made me made it also made me somewhat not afraid of death like how i am and stuff and i and i really appreciated that i thought uh i I think i think me personally it's one of jamie fox's best performances uh even it's voice acting but i think he i think he's great and uh listen i'm gonna be frank the movie's number two because there's a fucking barbershop scene in this movie and 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 i'm not talking about hey you were in a barber shop and we leave they do close-ups of how your hair is cut i've had so many white friends like hey Dwayne, what's the difference when you get your hair cut listen geek watch soul that's it you got the razors you got the you got you got the you, you, you got the spray you got the you got the barber people talking and stuff and and bantering and whatnot you got a lineup Thought of the stuff, all that stuff was amazing, and it connected with me on a different level. Um, I just really, really enjoyed Soul. So that's my number number two movie of the year. Um, all right, I, I swear I want to vibe with you on that so hard. No, oh, don't do it, bro. Soul like is barely in my top twenty. What the fuck, man, bro? I, I don't, I don't. I'm scared. What's your number one? Cole? I, I, I haven't got a chance to talk about like talk about soul yet. Like I just watched it the other day. It took me a while to get to it. But like my daughter watched it first. And I was like, hey, baby, I haven't watched this. Yet. You want to watch it? And she's like, no, but I watch We Are Heroes. 
I think okay. somebody made a comment earlier, like this is way more of an adult yeah, film as opposed true. to a kid's film. And this is obviously the second best Pixar film of the year, in my opinion. Um, I think it's good. Like, I think objectively, the animation is strong. The music, like what you said, Hannah, is exceptional. Um, I was really excited for the film leading up to it, right? Um, even before COVID and everything like that, I was like, yo, mm-hmm. Coco knocked my socks off. We about to get the black Coco? Unfortunately, <laughs> we didn't get the black Coco, y'all. Well, I think uh, I think I remember, because Leo kind of said this. Leo, he did the review with me. He kind of like... Is, is is what you're about to say kind of related to where his like why are we always taking uh black people and putting it putting them in like, I think I okay. think I think that commentary is more so projection because okay people that are in under marginalized groups we're craving for honest representation and it seems like from Disney and Pixar the moment that we can be able to get a person of color to like kind of stand front their identity is diminished in these other kind of silly things, you know, princess and the frog or, you know, Coco motherfuckers get like they're dead. And like, you don't know say like we have to put them in skeletons and shit. So it, it's not even that honestly, the parts of soul that work for me is when he's not a soul, but you know, yeah, um, literally in less than 10 minutes, I no longer have this beautiful black man who I'm trying to be invested into as a character. He's immediately, you know, reduced into something else. And that like, that was tough. It really, it made it difficult for me to connect with. And also at the same time, I do not believe that film was ever promised to be like this black savior Pixar cartoon. It was not. I think a lot of people who are probably upset is that like, it doesn't feel authentically to the culture. Um, that's a, that's, that's a them problem. Um, it's still good. It's just not great, you know? Um, but yo, well, I respect it for being on your number two, though. Well, that's why I'm really excited for that. I don't think it's Pixar, but I'm really excited for that Disney Plus thing that they announced, um, Iwaju. Now, if that is like, okay, now I'm, we're turning oh, yeah, these, yeah. like, these... I swear, um, if they turn into fucking yeah. animal, if, they, if like, somebody's a bird or a lion... That's at yeah, least yeah. from, like, an African uh, yeah, animation exactly. yeah, studio, yeah, yeah. though. Yeah, okay. yeah. Coming to work with so, Disney. Uh, I assume gotcha. that that's not what it's gonna be, but I do. I can. I can, my, my my left leg is itching that it's that one of these they're gonna turn into like tigers or something like that, or <laughs> or like. Panther. I mean, they, they still are cartoons. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I I I get that. I understand too, because I'll be honest. Uh, I so when it does happen that that the scene where he goes into the soul world, I was like, oh, that was quick. I did say that like out loud. I was, oh, that was kind of quick. I would have rather seen him in this, you know, like a, a, an actual black Pixar movie. So I, I get you. I got you mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think there was just some, I just think when it comes to the, the theme of the movie is what I really connect, Oh, yeah. The, 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 the exploration and like this, the existentialism, uh, that entire, you know, conversation, it's beautiful. And I, I don't think a lot of people get a chance to have it. I mean, you yeah. know, it's, not, it's rare that we get a cartoon essentially that where the focus is on this middle-aged man and essentially this middle-aged woman who hasn't even started life yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And they are questioning what existence is to them. And, you know, like that's one of the greatest questions that we have, you know, that we deal with in our life. And I think it's great that this movie, you know, took a bold step in trying to explore that. Um, It just didn't do it for me, but that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I got you. Um, All right. So we are down to our number one movie, of the year really excited to hear everyone's choices so i will start with larry what's your number one movie of the year i, like I know it 
<laughs> so my number one film of the year is Minari. Hey. I adore this film. I saw this at the Denver Film Festival and it blew me away. I was completely transfixed with this film. As Hannah mentioned when she talked about it, Stephen Yun is amazing in this film. It's such a subtle but real and honest performance that I hope they don't overlook it. Then we have Alan S. Kim as this adorable little boy, David, <laughs> who was also so good. And of course, we have Yoon Young Jung, who plays the grandma. Oh, and oh. oh my God, that performance was fantastic. And what I loved about this film is that it really depicts the idea of an immigrant family in America in a fashion that we've really not seen in a film of this scope before, while also showing how the immigration process is really an extension of the American dream and how immigrants relate to that idea of American dream. Uh, I thought it were all just intermixed really beautifully then we get to that ending scene and i mean it just like left me in shambles um the the ending of this film beautiful yet devastating just i mean it was an entire experience in and of itself there's so many laughs in this film um between the mountain water and, and David's interactions with his grandma are just outrageous but wonderful. And then they even show you the ideas of of racism in the sneakiest of ways, like with these neighbors and how it's taught and how it can kind of be untaught just through really small acts. I, I don't know. I just thought the film was pretty much perfect. I loved it from start to finish, everything about it. Minari is my favorite film of the year. Um, By the way, I forgot to mention when I mentioned uh, my number two that it's Minari. Uh, when I got my screening for it, uh, the little boy in the film gave the cutest introduction to the film uh, right before the movie started. And it was just, oof. <laughs> <laughs> it's oof. Uh, okay, Hannah, take it away. What's your number okay, one? Okay, uh, my number one film of the year is Birds of Prey. Uh, I just, Bird Spray hasn't left me since I watched it in February. It's just so much fun. And it's the movie I've watched the most this year, other than Middle Ocean Shorts. Um, I watched it so many times this year and it just never like, doesn't like sweep me up and just like take me away from whatever, like I'm just going through at the moment. It's such like an escape and it's so fun. The action is so great. Uh, I love all the characters in the movie. I just, I love it when superhero movies break the mold and this is exactly what it is um it's it's just so special and i wish that it got to be like the biggest blockbuster of the year and i wish that it was like the biggest superhero movie of all time i just yeah. it i i wanted so much more for this movie like uh you know with the audiences and whatnot and i hope that it you know catches like a wave of uh, praise some other time, I guess. Uh, but yeah, this movie's so special. Uh, and yeah, I love this movie so much. All right, let's go to Colby. What's your number one? Oh, please don't do it. <laughs> nah, I'm not gonna do it to you, bro. Nah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. 
I'm gonna. Go I'm not gonna do it though. All right, I did it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Yo, it is. I'm um, honestly. When I saw this film, I thought that it was going to be super duper overhyped, and okay. it lives up completely to the hype. And it is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, okay. Thank now, for you. some yes. folks, this you. is a 2019 film. Yes. This film came out almost damn March. Okay, like, <laughs> sorry. Okay, like, uh, can nobody see it stateside anywhere in 2019? Um, two months removed from when I could be able to do my list. This is a 2020 film. I feel really, really bad for Ammonite. Like. The film had promise because Portrait does everything that Ammonite wants to do, but it does it to perfection. It's my only 10 out of 10 rated film of 2020. Like, I love love. I love love on film. I love forbidden love. Like, the turmoil, the passion, like, just seeing these two women and how their love kind of burns off both ends. It is perfect. Like it's this slow burn of this organic love that is like oozing with subtext, right? I think I love how subtle and how like beautifully developed the chemistry is between our two actresses. Um, Celine Sciamma, like she paints literally a portrait and it kind of magnifies the spark of the attraction. Conversely, when you look at Ammonite, it seemed like the attraction that was between Kate and between... Um, Oh, goodness gracious. Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> Saoirse. Like, it almost seemed like that Kate's attraction was animalistic, like where, you know, her her lust was like this uncontrolled kind of like sin, right? And and, and I don't like necessarily that depiction. And I think that's, it could be, and if I'm wrong, that male gaze versus the female gaze. So like, you know, seeing, you know, Naomi Merlot and Adele Hanel, like their exception, the performances are beautiful. Like they're fierce in every way. Um, it is a very feminine story, but still absolutely strong in everything that it does. And it just worked on me. I love how folksy it is. The score is great. The cinematography is gorgeous. It's truly a masterpiece. Yes, Colby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, portrait, portrait. I, I, I did. I just saw that earlier this year. Um, I remember Larry was like the only one in the group who saw it like early last year. But I think it was like when did you see it? Like November, right? Last year. Yeah. yeah. And I was going on and on about it. It was my award. number one last like, year. It yeah. was my number one last year, Colby. I love it too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, my number one, me and me and uh me and Larry are besties. Minari. Uh yeah. Minari was was amazing. I don't I can't really Add on to what Larry was saying because I think I think you said it perfectly. Uh, I just think it I just think it's a masterpiece. And if Steven Yoon doesn't get something, I'm not saying just I need him to. Uh, I feel like it's gonna be another 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 farewell for me. Um, uh, as far as like just shunned out of, out of a lot of things, I hope it's not. But because uh, A24 usually thank you A24 for the terrible uh, campaigning. Yeah. <laughs> Do it again. Show our. Asian grandma <laughs> some love this year, damn it. Last Two years in a row. Two years in a row is crazy. And uh I, I forget who said it, but someone said about the ending and how like it's Ugh. so I think it was you, Larry. Yeah, like the ending to me, I remember I had like my eyes open, like what is what is happening, but in a good way. Uh yeah, I just I just loved Minari. When I watched Soul, Soul was my favorite because that was the movie that I connected to the most out of the entire year. But like towards the towards like the start of the show and towards uh, today, I just kept looking at Minari and I kept thinking about it as far as like what movie really held the most weight on me as far as like uh, Soul and like the Five Bloods and Nomadland and all these other movies that was like vying for a number one spot. And it had to be Minari. It just it just it stuck with me. I really really. 
I'm happy it did. Um, so that is it, everyone. That is all of our top 10 movies of 2020. It's been a crazy year for the movie industry, a crazy year for movie releases. Half of these movies were like, oh, we don't know if it's coming out. Came out in 2019, but it came out this year. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I am happy that we did get a lot of. Um, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that I was stuck like trying to work around my top t- my 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 top ten movies because last year it was like by like November my top ten was pretty much solid. But I'm glad. I'm glad that this year there was so much that I had that there was like. You know, and I'm watching a lot of YouTubers who are like, oh, we didn't get nothing. And I'm like, yeah, we did. You just didn't reach out for a lot of stuff, I guess. But we, we got a lot of stuff to really like kind of sink your teeth in, whether it's festival or streaming or uh, or in theaters and stuff like that, like or whether it's like earlier in the year. So I'm appreciative regarding that front. And yeah, that is the show, everyone. Thank you guys for joining us. I'll go around the call today on social medias. I will start with Larry. Larry, I don't know if they can follow you. You can find me on YouTube as well as Instagram and Twitter, all at LC Screen Talk. And let's go to Hannah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rejected Hannah. And also, just an apology because I'm not good at really like saying why I love movies so much. I can like talk your ear off about why I don't like a movie, but I'm really bad at putting into words why I love movies. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's fine. I feel I like a ramble <laughs> every time. I'm like I love a movie, I'm like I can't even put into words why this like just stuck with me. <laughs> I feel like that's all. That's I feel like that's everyone. You know, I I feel like if you you love it so much, I'm listening to like Larry and like Colby talk about their favorite movies, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Larry has like a script in front of him or something. <laughs> He's so poignant. And uh, all right, let's go to Colby. Let everyone know they can follow you. Yo, you can follow your boy when I'm in the mood to write. You can check out my website at ColbyToldMe.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ColbyToldMe. I'm on Letterbacks doing my thing. I'm coming back in a full swing doing some video reviews too. And when he asks you where you heard it from, you tell him, Colby told me. All right. And with that being said, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Kobe Mac on the show today where I asked him is because uh, starting the new year off, with the bang, joining the Cinemania World team in 2021, we have Kobe Mac, welcome to the team, buddy. It's been long overdue. Very nice to have you uh, join us in full force in 2021. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun shows. I feel like you gotta be like the male version of my Hannah because I just already <laughs> we gotta uh, have you on the live show. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Y'all better be ready. Um, this love hate that's gonna be coming between me and <laughs> between me and Wade is gonna be a good one. I'm gonna flame his ass. <laughs> By the way, a oh lot of people, God. a lot of people wanted to fight you for Suicide Squad. They were like, "What the hell is he thinking?" Let I'm him like, fight. I don't know. I've got plenty of L's to dole out. Let him come with it. <laughs> Big shout out to Kobe Mac for joining the team officially. And that is it, everyone. Happy New Year's. We are four minutes away from New Year's, at least for me, um, in on on the East Coast. But uh, I still have an hour and a four minutes. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got. Yeah, I got. We got me. I think me and Kobe got like four minutes. So yeah, four uh, minutes. Uh, Happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, see the world. <laughs> 2020 <laughs> was absolute garbage. Thank God we're out of it. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. My name is Dwayne. That was Kobe. That was Hannah. That was Larry. We'll talk to you guys soon.